Good morning. Great to see you. My name um, is Matt Hibditch. Um, welcome to Welton Baptist Church. I'm one of the um, team here, and it's great to be in a team with this guy. Um, my name is Mike, and I'm one of the leaders here as well. We're going to continue today our series called Six M People, and we're delighted to have, specially flown over from Spain, Chris White. So Chris is here from Spain. We, we are able as a church to support him, and Chris is going to be speaking on the theme, Mouthpiece for Truth and Justice. We're going to welcome Chris, and then Mike is going to pray for him. Let's give Chris a, a welcoming round of applause. Great to see you. Okay, let's just pray. Father, it's good just to be quiet for a moment and just to rest and to just turn our eyes to you. And we do that now and as Chris comes to speak and we just pray that you will talk through him, that our worship will continue as we hear from you. Just pray that it'll be words that come out of Chris's mouth, but the words that come from you and speak to us and challenge us, encourage us and uh, just lead us on that path with you. Thank you that you are the most loving God that we can turn to. But just be with Chris now. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Great. Well, it's uh, lovely to be with you this morning and see all your beautiful faces. And Scott as well. Good to see you too. The most beautiful there is. But no, it's lovely to be here. We just love this church so much. I just love what God's doing amongst you. It's just obvious that God's moving and it's so exciting. Every time I come back, I can see new things happening and that's really exciting. I've been listening to the, the previous talks on this series. It's a really good series, isn't it? From um, Jeremy and Linda. And they were great talks. And I love how you're looking at how to be fruitful in your daily lives. You know, as a rough percentage for me, being a disciple of Jesus is about 10% theory and 90% putting into practice. And sadly, for so long in the church, we've had that order the wrong way round. And we've had all the theory, and we've not really ever done anything with it. And I love here at Welton, with all your different ages, from like zero up to people as old as 50 here, can see that, <laughs> you're wanting to have a go. And that's, that's just so exciting. It's never too late to have a go, is it? And go on an adventure with Jesus. And you want to move out into real life to get your hands dirty and your hearts broken for Jesus. And today I've got the, the topic of the mouthpiece of truth and justice, being a mouthpiece of truth and justice. And I think it's the fifth one in the series, but I think I'm the third talk. If you have got a Bible, it's Colossians chapter 1 and verses 9 to 14. And um, I'm reading from the NIV. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. It's a great few verses, isn't it? There's a lot in there. You could do a whole series probably just on those verses. 
And I, I love the title of this talk, Being a Mouthpiece for Truth and Justice. I could preach on that, and I love these verses. And the link between the two isn't super apparent, and it even said that in my preaching notes, and that's fine. But there are some real keys that I just feel God wants to bring out this morning that really link into how we can do that really practically in our day-to-day -day lives. You know, truth and justice are such important concepts in the Bible, from right at the start in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. You can, there's literally hundreds of verses talking about God's desire for justice and truth and how they outwork. It's a core part of God's character. Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. But in our modern world, these concepts of truth and justice, they've been eroded, haven't they? You know, today we're told everything's relative to my personal experience, that these ideas of absolute truth and binary truths are kind of old-fashioned concepts. You know, we see truth being manipulated to suit our particular narrative, our particular reality, or to emphasize our viewpoint to, to get what we want or further our cause. On social media, we can find the truth to agree and validate any lifestyle choice, any desire, any form of brokenness. It can be validated by manipulating truth. And I was really struck by this the, the other day. We've had a really fun autumn of just really interesting God encounters with people. And I'd volunteered at a tree planting workshop, and God drew my attention to a guy. I could tell he wasn't Spanish, he had a Spanish wife, and I just went over and introduced myself. We got talking, he just moved to our city from Wales, his wife's from Madrid. And I just said, look, you've just met me, here's my phone number, we need to go on a mandate. And he wasn't too scared by that. <laughs> so, like, two weeks later, we're in a Mexican having dinner together. God just took the conversation immediately to just me sharing my story of how I met Jesus, and he shared his story, and it's like we've known each other for years. But he said this thing to me, he said, I'm, I'm a theist, I believe there is a God, but I don't need to know who he is. And I just thought, you know, it sounds cool, doesn't it? But what a sad statement. It's like, you believe there's a creator, but you're not interested to know who he is, and you're happy that it could be Krishna or Muhammad or Jesus. It doesn't matter, just believing in God's enough. But we find this more and more, don't we? There's a, a spirituality without relationship. You know, I think in the church as well, we've had this problem in the past of wanting correct theology, wanting to have everything ticked off and understood. You know, Jesus knew exactly who he was, but often he'd answer a question with another question or a parable. You know, there's some truths that sit at the core of everything and they hold the world together. If you think of gravity, I've got a pen in my hand. If, if I drop it, what's gonna happen if I let go? It'll fall. But the, the thing is, I've never seen gravity, so I don't believe. I've been told it, it's not important anymore. And also, in my experience, gravity's never really had a factor. But if, if I let go, oh, it still drops, doesn't it? And you know, there's some truths that whether we believe them or not, it doesn't stop them being true. God's nature and his character and the person of Jesus Christ and the cross and his resurrection, they, these are these binary truths that sit at the foundation of everything. Yet outside of that very small core, we embrace mystery. And for me, the longer I'm a Christian, the longer I follow Jesus, the more I feel like I don't really understand or know. And that not knowing is a lovely space where it throws us deeper into relationship with the creator. 
because I can't settle with nicely packaged truths anymore because my reality is so different. But because I know God's good and I can trust him, it throws me deeper into relationship with him. You know, our understanding of truth starts by having a relationship with the one who is true, the one who is truth. And the more we spend time with him, the more we immerse ourselves in him, the more we start to think and act like him. It says in John 8, 31 to 32, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, knowing God changes the way we think and that in turn transforms us. And we start to act like Jesus and that in turn transforms the people round about us. I've got lots of stories I could tell you this morning. I'll tell one really quickly. We met a couple almost this time last year. They early retired to Granada. They're both English at age 50. They'd had really good careers. They retired early for some sunshine. And I got connected with them. Somebody asked me if I could go and sweep their chimney, which... I do some building work, but it's not something I really like doing. And I said, no, I'm not interested. And then God just said to me, you need to meet this couple. So I went to their house, no, no intention of sweeping their chimney. I did it anyway. And after um, about 10 minutes again, we were just, I was just sharing my story of how I met Jesus with them. Three hours later, I, I'm like, I've got to go back to my wife and kids. And from that moment, God just connected our hearts. And it's been this beautiful journey to the point where I ended up doing a marriage blessing for them, and we basically do life together. And they're on a journey with Jesus. But this lady, she'd really struggled with fear of heights, not just being a bit scared of doing free rock climbing, but just she couldn't step off this stage without crying. It was that bad. And where we live in Granada, it's all mountains. You know, a footbridge has like a 100-metre drop. I mean, it's quite extreme place. So she was thinking, I can't live here anymore. I'm too scared. So I just said to her, well, look, you know, I believe God can do something about that. You know, I believe he wouldn't want you to live like that. Why don't you come to our cafe? I'd love to pray for you. So she came to our cafe and I just shared a few stories of how I've seen God heal people. And I said, look, at some point in your life, a fear's come in. God knows where it is and we're going to pray and it's going to go. And I just simply laid hands on her and prayed. And she started to weep and she had her eyes shut. And I said to her, what's going on? She's like, it's so bright. I said, what's so bright? She said, the room's so bright. I can't open my eyes. It's dazzling me. And I said, well, that's Jesus. So we just kept praying. And for about 20 minutes, she just couldn't open her eyes. And at the end, she just said, I just felt all this love pour into my heart. Well, the next day, they had to drive to Malaga, which is on the coast. And you pass over some huge motorway bridges, very high in the air. can be quite scary. And she said she reached the first bridge where she'd normally be a crying wreck on the floor. And this love hit her and all the fear just went. So that was about eight months ago. Anyway, she's been on this amazing journey, and I've been really championing her and him being fearless. So three weeks ago, she messaged me. She said, I'm at the top of the mountain. Well, the mountains behind us go up to 3,500 metres. You can drive up to 2,500. And she got to the top. I'm like, yes, good on. That is incredible for a woman who's scared of heights. And she said, I was terrified all the way up. I said, but you're there now. But I just, I just felt I wanted to minister another level of truth to her. And I just shared with her 1 John 4.18, where it just says there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And I just said to her, look to her, mate, look, you either can live out of fear or love. It's that simple. And when you know you're loved, when you know you're loved by God, there's no fear anymore. So I just want to re release that love to you now at the top of the mountain. And she messaged me afterwards, she's like, you will not believe it. I got in the car and I was laughing all the way down the mountain and I had no fear because I felt loved. 
And it's just a simple example, but when we, when we understand these truths, we can then minister them to other people. It's so simple, you know, just encouraging them, but it's power, it's got real power to transform them. You know, we're called to speak out, we're called to minister truth over our friends and family and neighbours. And the truth of God, who, of, of God and who he says he is, is powerful. You know, often I, I know Matt's excellent at this, but I use WhatsApp a lot because we have a big community of people. And every day I pray my t- time with Jesus and I just ask him to put something on my heart. Sometimes I might just say, I'm thinking of you. Or I might say, have a great day. Or I might say, God's saying this. And none of our friends are Christians, so I have to take a risk. But I often just say, I know you don't know God yet, but I feel God's saying this to you. And just speak the life. And every time they come back saying, that was amazing. I really needed to hear that. Thank you. You know, we can make it complicated, can't we? We've all got a phone. What would happen if every day you thought of one person and sent them a message saying, I'm thinking of you, I love you, you're amazing, be brave today, have a beautiful day? How would that change things? You know, just moving on quickly, it talks about us being a mouthpiece. You know, what does it mean to be a mouthpiece? You know, a mouthpiece is someone that speaks on behalf of somebody else, isn't it? I don't know who likes Lord of the Rings here. Sure, anybody like Lord of the Rings? Mixed, yeah. Well, there's a scene right at the end, isn't there, in the last one, Return of the King, and they're in front of the black gates at Mordor. And Saruman sends out his, his mouthpiece, which is this horrible creature with a mouth and not even any eyes. And it speaks all this poison and death over them. But that mouth was connected to the Lord Sauron. They had this intimate connection, so the mouth knew what to say. And in that case, the mouth was used to cause a lot of damage. You know, in order to be a mouthpiece, we have to be connected to the source. We have to know the will. We have to know the message of the sender. And this goes back to this relationship with Jesus and with with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. In verses 9 to 10, just really briefly read them again. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives you. So you might live a life worthy of the Lord, please me in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. You know, Paul's praying that they'd be filled with the knowledge of his will through wisdom and understanding of the Holy Spirit. And you know, what is God's will for us on our front lines? You know, sometimes the will of God can be this, this mysterious thing, can't it? But I just want to make it very simple this morning. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we're asked to pray, your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's will for us on our front lines, that the reality of heaven, that everything that Jesus did on the cross is manifested on the earth through love, through kindness, through reconciliation, at times supernaturally, through healing, deliverance, salvation. But that's the will of God for us, and that's what we're called to bring. Now, we need to to demonstrate that reality we have a voice, don't we? And, and sometimes we forget that our voice is powerful. You know, we, don't we know the damage we can do with our words? We probably see the negative effects more, don't we? How many of us have been hurt by words or hurt people with our words? They're so powerful. Well, if we flip it on our, its head, what amazing things can we do with positive words by speaking life? You know, speaking the Father's heart to people. Just moving on, we're just going to very briefly look at five very quick, snappy things. This is something you can look at more detail in your your groups later on. But verses 10 to 12 mention five things as a response to being filled with this wisdom. 
And it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so you might have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who's qualified you to share the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So the first thing is living a life worthy and pleasing to him. And how do we do that? It's difficult, isn't it? If if, uh, people looked at my life, most days I'd probably fail in living a life that's pleasing to God. Because we're human, aren't we? We get frustrated. We get annoyed. People are annoying, aren't they? Let's be honest. Really annoying. And we run out of patience and we're tired and we can be hangry and we have stress. But the great use is it's not a box-ticking exercise. It's not about us trying to be a good Christian. You know, what did Jesus say the greatest commandment was? It was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So living a life that's worthy is loving God with a passion, making the center of everything in our life, and then just loving people well. It's that simple. That's what being a good Christian is. And we'll mess up, and we'll make mistakes, and we say sorry. But at the core, it's that simple. And if we make the focus of our life loving him first, What overflows from that is that love is a natural flow, which you guys are so good at because you feel it when you come into this church. You know, we in the past, Christians, we we haven't had a point of difference, have we? And often subconsciously we thought, well, we're no different from the world, so let's at least be weird. You know, let's if we dress differently, people know we're Christian. If we put a fish badge on or if we don't drink or we don't do certain things, that makes us Christians. And some of these things are fine. I'm not knocking them. But people should know we're Christian because when they're with us, their heart is going, what is wrong with this person? You know, in Pentecost, people said, didn't they, these men have been with Jesus. Clearly, they've been with Jesus because they were different. There's something about them. And when we're motivated by love and, and loving Jesus, people notice that by who we are, not by our points of difference. Not by our theology, not by our morality. They notice it because they just feel alive when they're with us. The second thing it talks about is bearing fruit in every good work. You know, as we love people well from a place of being loved, we can actually change our environment. We don't need to bring people to church. What we do in Spain, we don't actually have gathered church yet. This is amazing. I love this stuff. But actually, we take church to people. As we go out, we take God's kingdom to people. That's, that's the message of, of the gospel. And we can model kingdom, kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is, is all the goodness of God, this reality of heaven. It's about acceptance. It's about connection. It's about listening. It's about seeing people. It's about valuing people. You know, in, a, in our town in Spain, we've, we're the outsiders. And a lot of our friends have lived there their whole lives. They went to school together. But they never used to meet up. And we started starting these picnics in the forest where we just get a load of guys, families, and just say, let's, we're going to have a picnic together, let's meet up, let's eat and do food, we might share something about Jesus briefly. And our Spanish friends are like, can you do that? Because they always spend every weekend with their family, we're like, yep, it's really good, you should try it. Well now, we're quite busy, and all these people are all mutual friends because of us, and they all meet up and do all these things together, whether we're there or not. And it's really filled my heart because it's created a community by just giving people permission to do this stuff and it's not always spiritual but these people are sharing lives and caring for each other and and doing all the stuff of church when we're not even there and that's really exciting so we've changed culture simply by inviting somebody to a picnic moving really quickly through the third thing growing in knowledge 
You know, this isn't head knowledge. You know, we learn by doing. I, I think there's never been a time in history where it's been easier to be a Christian in terms of resources. The resources are exceptional, aren't they? I, I mean, just there's so much stuff, great worship, great teaching, great everything. But we can just become spectators. And um, imagine if you're a rock climber. I, mean, I like rock climbing. I don't have any great skill, but I love the mountains. But imagine if you're an amazing climber and you've studied all the rope work and you know all the different pitches and you know all the alpine stuff and ice axes and all about weather, but you spend your whole life living in Holland. It's a bit of a waste, isn't it? But for me, that's a metaphor for the church. That's what we've been doing for centuries. We know all the theory, but we never test it on the mountain. And you find when you test it on the mountain, you suddenly realize, actually, you don't know very much. And actually, it's way better and more scary than you thought it would be. You know, we need to test ourselves. We need to take all that head knowledge and put it into practice. You know, where's your mountain this morning? Your mountain could just be crossing the road and knocking on your neighbor's door and saying, hi, I've lived opposite to you 10 years and we've never said hello. You know, it could be having lunch with a work colleague. These are simple things. It doesn't have to be this big, amazing event. But the amazing thing is that when we, we, never, when we step out, we're never on our own. God's with us. We've got the helper. We've got the Holy Spirit walking beside us. We've got the reality of God. And that brings us on to the fourth thing. Paul prays that they will be strengthened with all power. Not just power, all power. I'd, I'd be quite happy with power, but it's all power. Well, there's two things there. Obviously, if Paul's praying it, we need it. So we're really silly to do anything without power, aren't we, then, if Paul's praying that we have it. And secondly, there's this amazing resource available. We're not meant to be on our own, and the quicker we realize we can't do it on our own, the easier it becomes. I, I can't do anything on my own. If God's not with me, there's no point. I, I want God to be with me. I want to be operating through his power and his reality. You know, the more we step into this mystery where there's not easy answers, the more we need God. I'm sure you guys realize that there's so much brokenness in the world. Just about every person we, we journey with in life has got impossible situations. And if there's no power, there's no hope. But we have hope and we have power. But it also goes on to talk about power for endurance and patience. And I remember Linda in her talk, she mentioned about needing real patience for a work college. I think it was Matt H. She didn't mention who it was, but somebody that was difficult. <laughs> and God really helped to love that person. And, and that's just the practical outworking of this verse. But it can be so rewarding, can't it? You know, loving somebody through. And finally, just to wrap things up, it talks about joyfully giving thanks. You know, remembering what God has done, that he saved us, that he's rescued us, that he's given us hope and a future, that we're forgiven, we're healed, we're set free. You know, joy is different from being happy. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm not very happy at the moment. But I've got joy in my heart, and it doesn't matter how bad my day is. I've got that deep sense of joy. I can have a horrible day and still be full of joy. And the world needs joyful people. The world doesn't need more miserable, cynical, critical people because the world's full of them. They want joyful, peaceful, loving people who might be going through a bad time but have something deeper. Justice is just this automatic response to the heart of God. You can't know God and not want justice. And when we understand how good he is, we want to share it with, with the rest of the world and we want to see that, that that goodness, that reality of heaven's released on the earth. And, and how can that work? It can be very simple, just very 
quickly because of time, a couple of stories. When, when we first moved to our town, I was queuing up to sort out my mobile phone. I was in a phone shop and there's a lady in front of me, it's all in Spanish, and she was getting more and more angry with the people that worked in the shop. And the basic thing was she got a new smartphone that she thought was waterproof and she took it in the sea and it wasn't waterproof. <laughs> and she's convinced it's their fault and they're like, it never was waterproof. Just silly, but it was expensive. And she got more and more abusive and angry. At the end, these two ladies were really shocked and really upset. I did my, my business and I went home and, and that troubled me. I'm like, I'm not happy with this. What shall I do? And God said, you need to go and buy them flowers and apologize on behalf of this woman. I thought, okay, fine. But that's, you know, this is me stepping out of my comfort zone as a, as a guy. So anyway, the next day I went to the shop. I bought a big bunch of flowers and for ages I was... I was bricking it a bit. I was walking out down the shop. I'm like, oh, they got a customer. Oh, anyway, I just manned up a bit. I went in, queued up, and they're like, those lovely flowers. I said, they are. I said, they're for you, and I just want to apologize. No one should speak to you the way you've spoken to yesterday, and I just want to thank you for what a great job you're doing in this community. And they both started to cry, and they hugged me, and it was lovely. And I don't, I don't know the fruit of that, but I know I saw an injustice, and I wasn't happy just to ignore it. And it's, it's, it's not costly, it cost me 10 euros and a bit of my pride and that's all, but these things can be powerful. But then justice can be costly and we've had a situation recently in our community, I can't go into the details, but a, a very messy breakup of a couple with kids involved. And what it resulted in the end is I, in November I had to go to court, be a witness in a, in a custody trial in my second language, which was very, very scary. And I had to do it because I had to see justice for the, the kids involved in this case. And I knew in doing that, the one person in this relationship would hate me, my guts forever, and they happened to work at my kid's school. So it's been a very costly and painful decision, and every day I see the consequence was of it, but I couldn't let this injustice slide because it wasn't right. So there's whole levels from buying flowers to actually making a stand and saying, I will not have this on my watch. This is not good. So to finish... I just want to ask you this morning, you know, what, what do our, our, our lives look like? What's our relationship with God? You know, is it, is it a loving relationship? Are we full of power? Are we full of joy? Now, I loved what I think it was Jeremy said a couple of weeks ago. He said, Jesus is the master of the moment. And I love that expression. I think it's so true. Every day we have these moments. I just want to, you know, I don't know if anybody said it, but I just want to encourage you this morning in this question, where is your front line? Your front line is the person stood in front of you. That's, it. That's how simple it gets. That is your front line. It's the person right here. Right now for me, it's Matt. He's my front line. But later on, it could be something in a petrol station or in the park or work colleague. That's your front line. And we've called to be a mouthpiece. And, and just to wrap it up, we're going to go into a time of prayer. But I felt God say really clear to me this morning, there's been people and you feel like you've been silenced. You have, you've wanted to speak. And, and whether it's the enemy's done it, something silenced you. And God wants to give you a voice back this morning. I know in the past as Christians, we've used our voice to judge, haven't we? Or condemn or, or pick a political thing and make a big thing about it. But we've not used our mouths to bless very much. And the, the whole message of the Bible isn't that we're blessed to be a blessing. And let's reimagine our mouths as, as a, a conduit of blessing and life. You know, prophetically, if God can create the whole universe with words, what can we do with our words? So I just want to leave you with that as we go into a time response. If anybody feels like they have been a bit silenced, I'd love to pray with you. But I want to challenge you. 
Your front line's the person in front of you in any moment in the day. Let's love people well. Let's look to speak life over them. And let's look to stand up against injustice. God bless you. Thank you to Chris for, for sharing and, and so many thoughts to encourage that. I was just uh, reminded again how much uh, by encouraging us, each other uh, can, can do so much as we, we seek uh, to work in our front lines. And just the thought in the week going forward, you know, if you're on WhatsApp or phone or whatever, just ring people up, ask them to pray before you go into that front line. And uh, then let people know what's happening. It's just so good to see what, what God is doing. Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've been with us this morning. And, and just as we're, we're standing now, those of us that are able to, um, I want to pray, Lord, that we would um, look up and that faith would stir inside of us. And Father, for maybe for some of us here this morning who we've been silenced, we feel that there's been a shutting down. Um, and that, that, that sense of who we are on our front lines has been reduced or robbed or restricted. We now say in Jesus' name, would you give us faith this morning for that to change? Give us faith, Spirit of God. And Father, for some of those other things that um, have been spoken about this morning, maybe a conversation or a prayer that we prayed on the way here, that it would be good to have somebody stood alongside us. We pray just give us the courage um, to get one of our friends on this prayer team, just to stand with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.